welcome to the show. I'm your host, Cole Spivak, and today I'm joined by Megan Forrester. Hey, Cole, how's it going? In our conversation, we'll talk about decorating, family recipes, and motion design. I was just finished Mad Men, and like they want him to like introduce himself. I don't know if you watch Mad Men. I've seen bits and pieces of it, but I haven't seen yeah. all the series. Yeah. Just near the end, he works for this one agency, and they're like, they're like, do the introduction, and he's like, I'm Don Draper from McCann or whatever. Like, it feels like it felt like that moment. It's been so long. Oh my gosh. I know. It's Since been. I've seen you. Well, I just know that last week was like six or seven. I don't know. I don't even know what day it is. Your office chair is so sweet. Thanks. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I have carefully sculpted uh, my camera angles because everything around me, everything below this shot is just like pure chaos. There's like coffee mugs everywhere. <laughs> so Seriously? You're so organized. I need to get more organized in here because it's, it's a little bit crazy. Home coal is completely different than what Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have been thinking about getting a lamp exactly like that one there. Cause it, yeah, it's the one that has the whole like big. Yeah. Arc. Yeah. Does it, can you like move it? Um, yes. Where you are. Okay. Everybody loves that lamp. Emily, Emily sends me messages about it every time I'm on. It's from Struck yeah. It's from yeah, Struck Yeah. 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 It's cheap. It's like a hundred bucks. I almost like cried putting it up. Like. Oh, because it's hard to put together. It's hard to put together and it has to like, you have to balance the bottom and then you have to balance the arc part and the angle. And I was like, it doesn't look right. And I was, I was like, I hate it. And then we were, <laughs> and Mark's like struggling with it. He's like, my arms are hurting. And I was like, don't break it. Cause it's like, you have to like screw it in the bottom and then like do that angle. So I love your couch. Thanks. Structure. Oh, nice. Well, yeah. there you go. <laughs> I think I looked forever for something modern. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Is that mirror also struck too? Because I think I no, that, that one's oh. IKEA. IKEA. Oh, okay. It's expensive for that one's expensive for IKEA. Yeah, a lot of IKEA stuff is reasonably priced until you get to the decor, and then it's just like through the roof. Yeah, but I like that. Oh, the that kind of modern '70s look, but I think it's like. I was watching a show and they're like, oh, that's so over now. And I was like, what? I love all of that. <laughs> I don't know. I think oh. like modern and like classical, I like that lamp. I've seen it like in old movies and stuff, something similar to it, right? It doesn't go out of style. It, no, it doesn't. It's always going to be fine. Mark calls it like a flying saucer. Like that's what he had yeah. in his living room as a kid kind of thing. So that reminds him of that. But I think the new look is like, it's maximalism. That's what it was. Before everything happened, that's what designers were saying in your house. So like a lot of like glossy tchotchkes everywhere. Like just like overabundance of stuff. Why though? Why do you want that? Exactly. <laughs> that like it just sound it just seems so wrong because we're we you know the year before we were all doing Marie Kondo stuff, getting rid of everything, and then now they're just saying like go buy crap to put in your house because that's the style. Be maximalist. Have you been keeping busy? We thought a puzzle would be a great idea, and then we haven't touched it in like three weeks. <laughs> and he's been sitting there. It's also like it wasn't. Marky's work at Stratford. Mm -hmm. So, and it was his idea 
he says that it was his idea to bring a puzzle to the gift shop because he saw that somewhere else. Because obviously the audience for Stratford is a, is a lot older. Um, mm-hmm. But once they actually put it in the gift shop, it was a big hit. So they gave him this, this free Shakespeare puzzle and he never opened it. So we were like, okay, we'll finally do the Shakespeare puzzle. But we haven't, I've not touched it. Besides the puzzle. <laughs> yeah, I'm always, I'm someone who always is busy, but I'm trying to be less busy now with all these things happening. So, um, yeah, I don't know. We walk the dog. We make, I try to make different food, like really good dinners and stuff like that. I made pretzels on the weekend. So Marjorie uh, sent me a recipe actually. So I thought I'd try those out because I had a little pretzel emoji uh, beside me. She's like, that, I need to make pretzels. And she's like, I'm going to make them on the weekend. So she sent like me the recipe. big pretzels well I kind of got like after a while you were like I'm over this like I don't know <laughs> I like trying new things but if there's too many steps I'm just like okay I I don't want to fuss with it too much but you were supposed to roll them out I think a lot more so they were bigger but I didn't roll them out very far so they like puffed up and just kind of like stuck together but they're still amazing like I'm totally gonna make them again it only the recipe only made like eight they didn't last long no <laughs> <laughs> and you just use the excuse like pretzels aren't good the next day so you have to eat them all and then last night oh my sister had the recipe for ikea meatballs so i made the ikea Ooh, meatballs the secret ikea meatball recipe yeah i heard that it was made from the people that didn't make it out of ikea what it's the secret swedish meatball recipe no it yeah. wasn't it was good but it wasn't amazing like uh the the best bechamel sauce like has like mustard in it. Interesting. What's what's in this what's in a Swedish meatball that isn't in a regular meatball? Nothing different. It was onion, garlic, breadcrumbs, a bit of milk. The milk okay. is only a different thing, but it didn't really taste anything different than like what my mom used to make growing up. But it t- did it taste like an IKEA meatball though? I didn't think so. I thought I was missing something. But I also didn't make them super small. Oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> just have to make them smaller. Did your mom ever make like mushroom soup meatballs? Not really, no. No. My dad has always been the cook in the family. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Is your dad like super chefy or? He's pretty chefy, I think. Um, and my dad's mother, so my grandmother, uh, has always been quite the cook. And is that like, you know, typical eastern european has the kitchen beside the uh the normal kitchen that nobody gets to see that has all the all the real cooking stuff in it so my dad kind of gets it from there i guess oh okay so you had real real eastern like real european meals all the time yeah yeah my grandparents like i expect a lot of folks grandparents um (laughs) fled europe during the second world war um and my grandparents kind of did a two-stop journey so they fled like eastern Bloc before the second world war uh and then uh moved to france wow so they have like the eastern european cooking mixed with french cooking and it has like this sort of she has her own sort of fusion cuisine that she's brought it's pretty good that's an interesting mix Mm -hmm. i can't even imagine like what like describe something to me well i think a lot of things you'd recognize like pierogies and, and that sort of thing right mm-hmm. of, uh, of a ukrainian descent but 
um, I don't know, to pick up a lot of like of the sauces and and the way of cooking that French people uh, have, like French countryside cooking has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, rather than more typical Eastern European cooking. So I guess that's the mix. So you have like, oh, and the pastries, of course. That's a big one. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's yeah. huge. I was just imagining like a pierogi and like a cream sauce. I was like, that would actually be really good. Yeah, it does sound really good, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my mom always made like, I don't know, very, you think of like 80s or 70s cooking. That was like what I grew up with. What's 80s or 70s cooking? It's like recipes like that you would get from like Campbell's Soup or like there used to be like a Campbell's Soup calendar or whatever. Like classic. I don't know. I guess it's can is it Canadian cooking? It's not really European. Yeah, it's a little bit like our Thanksgivings and stuff like that. We still have uh, uh, a lot of my friends make fun of me because uh, we have like jello salad at Thanksgiving. And that's a huge 70s kind of thing. Like, did you ever see pictures of like ham salad or oh, like Oh, yeah, you put everything in gelatin. Like, yeah. Yes, yeah. So my mom still makes that at Thanksgiving. So we have pistachio salad, which is pistachio jello pudding with marshmallows in it. And she sounds kind of good. And like a can of pineapple. No, it is really good. I call it like a palate cleanser to kind of class it up a bit, but. Um, <laughs> Not really. It's like having dessert on your plate. Um, and then we have the other one is called jellied salad, which is so you have pistachio salad, jelly salad, and jellied salads like carrots and orange jello mm-hmm. and uh, pineapple, crushed pineapple in there too. I, I don't know. Pineapple's key to the to the jello salad, but but it's funny because um uh, I have three siblings, or sorry, I have uh, yeah three siblings. Um, and two of my sisters are also dating Europeans and Mark's European. So when they all come over, they're like, what is this? Like, why are we eating jello salad? Like they don't never like encountered anything like that in their life. <laughs> Jellying things is an English tradition. I know that they have jelly deal, right? That's kind of like a, a seaside yeah. delicacy in England. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. No, I'm mostly like, I'm mostly German and like, but like I'm from like small town called Newstead, right? Mm-hmm. Two hours from here. So like, but they, like this is like German settlers have, have been there since like before the first world war, like 1800s kind of thing. Um, but they're like, it just baffles Mark. Cause he's like, you know, we haven't kind of kept that German culture. Like, it's not like we're, we're eating sauerkraut all the time or anything mm-hmm. like that or schnitzel. Like, um, we're just kind of, we've become very acclimated to like Canadian culture. So, but yeah, mostly like I'm, I'm very German, but we don't, like we do have sauerkraut every so often, but no, we just have all these really weird kind of ghetto traditions, <laughs> ghetto food that we like to eat. <laughs> have you used any of the quarantine cooking to sort of rediscover that German heritage? <laughs> I, except for the pretzels. So I went to Germany for the first time a couple of years years ago and like Mm -hmm. that was my that was the most amazing thing is going to the airport and landing in Munich and having like a pretzel like (laughs) I just I couldn't believe that and then yeah just and like the huge signs of beer like like it did kind of feel like home which was kind of weird because I don't like I said we don't kind of 
keep a lot of that heritage, but um, you could tell with like the portions and the way they eat a lot of potatoes and stuff like that. Like we did, like we, I grew up on meat and potatoes um, kind of thing. So, um, but just like pretzels, like we were late, like uh, we had a layover and we only had an hour and a half. And I was like, can we get a pretzel? Like this is the last time we're leave, like, I'm going to have a pretzel in Jersey. So yeah, we almost missed our flight because I had to have a pretzel. Folks are spending more time outside right now than, um, than oh. inside when they can at least. My neighborhood's mm-hmm. crazy. Like there's so many people out normally, but um, just like, you're like, who are these people with these dogs? That Because I have a dog, right? So you get to know every, I have, you know, Lionel and you get to know everybody and you know all the other dogs and their owners. And But now you just see all these other people. You're like, where were you? Are people driving to our neighborhood to, to walk around or but just people are out all the time? I'm trying to do gardening right now. Not really. What are you you thinking of growing? (laughs) Anything that we can, like tomatoes, uh, lettuce kind of thing. But Mm -hmm. we have like this, this like flower bed all around our, our house. And the one side was just like covered with, um, kind of like what you see in the forest. It's like viney purple stuff. I don't even know, like, I'm so bad with gardening. I don't really even know what things are called. (laughs) I'm just I, I don't my, know the first thing about it either. So yeah, I just call my mom and then I like, I'm like, what is this? Or she she'll come over like before all this and she'd be like, okay, that's a weed. Pull that out. That's not a weed. <laughs> that's a flower. So yeah, now that we've been here for like two summers now, you start to know what's growing and what things are. So yeah, we decided the flower bed on the the one side that we were gonna pull out all this kind of ground cover stuff and there's uh, lilies in there. Uh, that I didn't really love. So, um, so we started kind of just pulling things out so we could have a garden, but, um, it's so much work. Like it's taken me like uh, maybe like nine hours to get halfway, um, through the flower bed. (laughs) It's a lot of work. Yeah. Like, and there's like, there's roots in there. There's like trees that someone like cut off. And, um, so we're like pulling out roots and lilies are like, I don't know. I've never pulled out lilies before, but they're like, like tuberous or whatever. Like Andre can correct me later, (laughs) (laughs) but it's almost like they have tentacles and they just like stick in the ground so hard. So like it actually takes a lot of like, um, arm strength to like pull them out. So, um, that's what I've been kind of doing at night too, is just like puttering around in the garden. It's good to have a project like that. Yeah, it feels rewarding. There's something about gardening that feels like you're really accomplishing something. I don't know. And there's like that pride of like, like Mark's really into the lawn. I think it's like a European thing as well. Like he has to have like the nicest lawn on the block. (laughs) (laughs) Like as soon as he sees a dandelion, he has to like pull it out immediately. He's like, ah. I never grew up like that. Like we, we just might like, we had a pretty big property. So, and it would take so much, like three hours to mow the lawn kind of thing. So my dad really never fussed about like dandelions and stuff. So, but I, I it's really funny. Like it's cool. Cause he's just like, and it does look nice when you're like, Oh, our lawn does look 
well well put together and like edged and things like that it's weird when you when you like own a house and like and then you just start these things become important to you all of a sudden um my first fall like we rake the leaves and put them in bags and it's it's a pain in the ass kind of thing but then I got in the elevator at work and like everybody in the elevator is like leaves man like right <laughs> like how's your weekend oh leaves and I then you're just like part of this like homeowner community and everyone just complains about leaves like it's really strange it's something that brings you together yeah All the exactly. homeowners together yeah you used to work for Cineplex right oh my gosh an interesting you looked at my LinkedIn yeah <laughs> Yes, I used to work at Cineplex um, with Jordan. Actually, I brought Jordan. Oh, really? Over. Yeah. That I did not know. Yeah, juicy gossip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like I, I wanted to sort of use that to talk about film and and television. And as an animator, I'm sure you have an interesting insight into both of those things. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, Cineplex was interesting, like, because it's called Cineplex. We weren't actually working on movies or anything like that. Mm. We were a digital signage company uh, called EK3. So they had um, Tim Hortons as a client, RBC, um, Chick-fil-A. I worked on a lot of Chick-fil-A stuff. (laughs) Um, uh, Atlantic Lottery Corporation. So, like, kind of like the OLG of Eastern Canada. Um, A&W, Canadian Tire, uh, so a lot of big brands, um, and that was kind of, it's interesting because I'm watching Mad Men now, and they talk about non-competes, mm-hmm. um, EK3 actually got, like, McDonald's as a client, um, so they had to almost open, like, a Toronto office because of the, because of the competition between McDonald's and Tim Hortons, because, McDonald's was at the time like opening like McCafe and stuff, so taking a really big bite out of, right, the, yeah, the the food industry. Um, but yeah, then we got bought by Cineplex um, because Cineplex has digital signage mm-hmm. as well um, that they were doing uh, through like Scotiabank and stuff like that, and through the theaters. Um, so part of that was really cool. You got like a VIP card, and you could see as many movies as you wanted like you could take that'd a friend. be really cool yeah. it was awesome like like any you could stay at the theater all day and watch like movies if you wanted to i never used it like i think while i was there that was like the last year or so that i was there um but yeah you just like show your card and then and then go in but that was like that was my uh job where i was like i really i finished school and I wanted to be in motion design Mm -hmm. and that was the place that I wanted to work at so much because they were the only company doing motion design um specifically right yeah so yeah like I did an internship where we worked on commercials and stuff like that in Toronto um I I don't know I didn't fit in there I just felt like well you're an intern right like you don't really fit in as an intern anyways (laughs) but um I got to work on some stuff for much music there which was really neat um and see um actually Sleeman I worked on like a, some like motion graphic titles for Sleeman um but yeah I don't know it just wasn't it wasn't for me and 
Like I had a boyfriend back in London, so I came back to London. Damn boyfriends and stuff. Because <laughs> I like because now I'm like, oh, it would have been cool to stay in Toronto and like get more into that scene, like commercial, like working on commercials work or films and stuff like that. Because I have a friend, I have friends who are still doing like post production and special effects for, um, for you know TV shows and. One friend's working on that new Jason Momoa show, like. Oh yeah, I've heard a bit yeah, about that. Yeah, so it's yeah, it's a really neat industry. So I don't know. I just came back to London, and I had a like. At the time, it was like, oh, 2000, 2009, 2010. Like, so there wasn't a lot of work, right? So, I kind of finished my internship, and I used to work at the college just in their like marketing department. So they were having someone go on mat leave. Um, so they were like, or sorry, Pat leave as a guy. <laughs> but yeah, they, uh, they just asked me to come back and work part-time kind of thing. So I was like, okay, this is 2010. Yo, this is my only opportunity to get a job right now. Cause I, well, I was interning, I was applying places, but didn't really hear too much. So um, yeah, I came back to London and then, but that was kind of like, I was just waiting for my motion job. Like I was like every job I like had, I was just kind of like injecting some kind of like 3d elements in it or like a fan shot. I would do like a lot of 3d or like kind of like find opportunities to add animation or yeah. kind of sell it kind of thing. Um, but I did a lot of like really big uh, like bus shelters and like their orientation graphics, like, just using 3d because I was like so into it like I was really into cinema 4d and um I you know just kind of like achieving that 3d look so I would yeah just kind of sell it for each project I worked on but yeah I was just like kind of I was like I want to work at this I want to work at this motion design place so I kind of had a little agency worked at an agency in between that and then but yeah, I didn't get to work on movies. I, I, almost, think, I just animated fast food, which is dangerous. Like it is dangerous because I love fast food. So like, like looking at Chick Fil A, like mm -hmm. I don't agree with dangerous. Their, <laughs> I don't agree with their like outlook as a company. But like, the food is really good, and like looking at like chicken, fried chicken all the time, and. And then, uh, like, at one time, Tim Hortons had Cold Stone Creamery. So, like, looking at ice mm -hmm. cream for a couple weeks was really hard. Or, like, just seeing what was new coming out at Tim Hortons. And even though, like, it probably wasn't good, you still wanted to try it. Like, you're like, oh, they're doing, like, poutine now. You're like, I got to try the poutine or I got to try this, like, chicken kind of thing. <laughs> um, so, it was all, like, animating, like, fast food. And um, it kind of got to, like push the envelope for a lot of um like smaller clients so like the lottery commission and stuff we did a, i did a lot of um cinema 4d like 3d animation stuff and i love typography so it was a lot of like animating typography and kind of like getting people's attention right like mm -hmm. while you're in line waiting so i think animation has only taken off really in the last like four or five years it is, yeah. When I was in school, I was following, I was following these like really, really neat artists that were at the Vancouver Film School, and it was interesting because um, one of my favorite animators, uh, Jorge Canado Estrada, 
he was only in school, but he was putting this really sweet stuff out on Vimeo. And I would kind of like be looking at it and watching and being like, that's really cool. Cause like motion design really, you, it was a really, it's a self-taught kind of industry um, because it is so new. And I think the same with UX, right? Like there wasn't a specific program that you could take yeah. at school that teaches you UX or even how to use sketch or anything like that. So motion design was the same. Like I just took, um, it was called post-production um, and visual effects, which I was like, this motion thing, like the video thing, I'm interested in it. Um, but like, how do I get there? Right. So that, that postgrad kind of felt like it was the closest, like originally I wanted to go to like Seneca and do like 3d animation, but I'm kind of glad I didn't because like Maya and stuff like that, like is a program that will make you cry. Like it's, (laughs) (laughs) it's really, like, it's really difficult, really technical kind of stuff and I really struggled with it so I felt like motion design was kind of the next step of where graphic design was is was going right yeah and I was like I don't think anything in the future I don't think anything's going to be static anymore I think everything's going to be moving like this is kind of the the future so um yeah everyone yeah everyone's self-taught so even today like so like who I follow can like Jorge he's like very he's almost kind of like a founder of the industry. Like everyone follows his work. Um, and there's that certain style. So if you see like, um, like squares or like circles moving and they're being very expressive and, um, like moving to music, that's a lot of like, that's influenced by his work. Um, and that's kind of like around 2010, that's kind of where he started. And then kind of following his career and then a lot of other motion designers that I followed. Um, you just kind of see everybody's career like projecting. Um, it's in, like I think a lot of the industry like we free, like there's a lot of freelancers. So I think uh, my team especially like we're really, really lucky to have a workplace that values motion design and character animation and it feels like it's you know it's added value because most yeah most most motion designers are freelance um or work at uh, cineplex still (laughs) it was really funny like we went to uh, a couple years ago we went to a conference in toronto and i uh we were just you know there was like a happy hour after and we were just kind of you know i started talking to other um industry like professionals in Toronto and they had all worked at Cineplex, which is, <laughs> it's like, it's like the place that you go to earn your stripes and motion designs. The, a neat part too is like Brandon Grail was like famous because Brandon does like, he uh, posts a lot of his work to Instagram, which I should oh, be doing, I see. but he started to get a following. So when we were at the conference, they were like, do you know like Brandon Grail? And I was like, yeah. I'm like, he's on my team. He's right over there. Uh, so there was a couple, there was a couple people who knew Brandon just through his Instagram. One of the things that I, I admire about your team is that everybody is very talented. I mean, I should expand that to the entirety of DCX. Like everybody's All very talented. talented. Yeah. But I, I particularly like from where I sit that I can see both Brandon and Jordan screens <laughs> most good. of the time. 
and um, I'm always just like, what are they doing now? What are they working on now? And I, I looked, um, and this is maybe obviously before we started working from home, but for the first few months of 2020, um, Brandon was just working on like a table or something. Like it was, it was like a piece of furniture for a very long time. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. Uh, but I'm sure like, it looks fantastic. Like it's perfect in every way. And I'm just, I, I'm so envious of, of a craft and UX is included in this and any sort of like design profession is included in this. It's not limited again, just to motion design. I'm very envious of a craft that you can sort of like start with, you know, a two dimensional image of a table in this example and flesh it out into something three dimensional that looks like perfectly realistic and so on. Like, like I'm floored by that. Well, that's something like Joey says, like, you know, you want to, you don't want your audience to think something's noise, right? You don't want to take them out of an experience um, when they don't think it looks right. So even something as little as like a table in the background, you know, the angle might look a little bit funny and that might throw you out of a scene, right? Yeah. Um, it's so, it's very, we're very deep, like I'm a very detailed person and then my team really loves that sort of detail or like those little Easter eggs too. Um, but it's a very, it's a interesting common, like motion design is an interesting combination of a lot of different disciplines. Like you have to know storytelling and you, you know, the writing side, like what, you know, what is the video saying as well as showing? Does it make sense? Like, um, and then there's illustration, like design, like it has to be, you know, every frame is its own composition and has to have balance and like harmony and, and color. Like, I think, like, I, I thought sometimes I like long to go back to print design because I feel like it's so much easier. Like, <laughs> I don't know, I shouldn't say anyone's job is easy, but like when you're doing a video, you're every frame is a composition it's a lot it's a lot of time and thought that goes into it um and then yeah like the music the music has to have that emotion as well and like is is there a story there like even if it's something as simple as like a financial video do we have like a little touch of story in there or a character are we you know relating to the viewer in some way so there's so much like weaved into that. And then you also have to be technical too. So like when we like After Effects is also very technical, like you can oh, yes. use a little bit of code in there. Right. Um, but it's also like, it's technical, but it's also a lot about feeling and um, like, does that movement feel right? Or like, yeah. that, does it and feel this, natural? This is something that, is very interesting too. this whole, the, the naturalism of it or natural. Anybody can, myself included, I know I've tried, uh, can make a stick figure move in After Effects. Yeah. Right. You oh, put yeah. the points on it and you animate the points. You move the points from a certain X and Y coordinate to another X and Y coordinate. But to make that look like that stick figure is actually walking, for instance, or is moving in any kind of way that is remotely natural, it's a tremendously difficult 
thing to do. And it's not just a technically difficult thing to do. It's also difficult to do artistically speaking, right? To, to know how something walks in real life and to translate that into digital is, is a tremendous thing. Yeah. You could talk to Jordan for hours and hours about like the physics of body movement. Like I'm someone like I never used a lot of character in my animations. Like I, I really focus on like typography and um, like shapes and um, illustration, but like, like his thing is character. And like, I tried to do, I did a video with a walk cycle and hours and hours to figure out like there's, there are, there are ways to do it and you can, and you can read about it. And then, but then when you start to do it, a walk cycle and make it look natural, it's so hard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, like you have to like someone, you can't be too heavy or like, um, and like when you put your toe down, your toe rolls. So like your kid, like your character should bring their foot up almost like this, like little semicircle. Um, it's too bad because it's a podcast. When I like, <laughs> when I talk about animation, it's really funny. I use like, you guys probably think I'm crazy at, at desks, but I use like hand movements and I like make sounds and stuff to explain what I mean. But um, yeah, like when you're doing a walk cycle, like, yeah, your, your foot kind of moves in the semicircle and then like your heel hits and then your, the rest of your foot kind of follows and like you do this like, and then when you pick up again, there's like a little toe roll. So your toes actually like bend. So like you have to build a character so that they don't have a flat foot. They actually have to have like this little. So there's so many like there's so many details that uh, you don't consider. Sometimes like when we're doing a video, it's, you know, I look at my team. It's like, you know, can you do this scene? Like, do you feel comfortable doing this scene within that kind of this kind of timeline? Right. Um, Cause I'm like, I know how complex it is. Like uh, Brandon doing that uh, group net video a couple years ago. Like he's like, we're going to have a guy running in the frame and he's going to hurt his knee. And then he's going to like stop. Um, and that scene is so difficult to have someone run into frame and it look natural. Um, and then kind of express that they've heard it while they've been running. So um, but that, like, that video now, we, like, we won an RGD award with it, like, so proud, like, that he, like, took the time to do that scene, because it just made that video so much better, rather than it just kind of feel like static, um, characters kind of, like, a, just a picture, you know what I mean? Like, just... yeah. What are the things that you think that animation does better than live action? I like live action too. I don't like, I never like say like animation's better than live action, but I just like with character, I think um, characters are really relatable. Um, they're neutral representations of us. I think we can see ourselves in characters a lot more um, than people sometimes like um I don't know I like I watch Pixar like a like we finally got Disney plus and just watching all the Pixar movies like it's it is the storytelling for sure but you can relate with the characters really really well it's also that kind of like nostalgia feeling too I think a lot of us grew up with cartoons so we relate 
anything with a face. Like I think you could add, I could have a, like a, a circle with a face and you could relate to it. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's so flexible. Like I mean, animation is so flexible. We can do, we can put something in so many different situations so easily. Um, filming, you know, you got locations and, um, like in Canada, it's like the seasons kind of thing, like animation, you can just put them in any situation, any concept, like we could, you know, have someone walking up a staircase, right? Like, and the staircase transitions to a different scene, like that's outside or like, it's just so expressive and you can do so many different things with it. So, but I love, like, I love live action too. I actually love editing. Like, um, that's something that I miss a lot from school is like editing. I wasn't good at videography or anything like that, but the completely um, different crafts. It is. It really is. Yeah. And you have I, to have the eye for framing and I do like, I don't know. And like I, uh, at the time, um, in school my boyfriend was a videographer so I like I would get him to help me out with a lot of different shots so it could look a lot better but because I was so used to like design it's so flexible and you can fix things if it's not working Mm -hmm. I think that's great with animation too right like if a scene's not working like we can revise it we can revise it how many times right and don't have to reshoot, but like when you're doing a film or you're doing any kind of shooting, right? It's like what you get is what you get. So you can't fix it. Like yeah. that's what I struggled with in school, right? Like if you didn't have the settings right and you did a shoot and say you got back to the computer and it was like too like too dark or like you had it set on four by three, like instead of 16 by nine, <laughs> you're like, well, what am I supposed to do? Right. Um, now it's a lot easier cause we can like shoot everything on our phone. But yeah. when I was in school, like I helped a friend at like one in the morning, one time the day before project, cause he shot everything in four by three. Like he's like, I can't hand this in in four by three. Like, it you know it just doesn't like it doesn't look right and we can't fix it right so I think but that's like um like Mark does editing too but he said that's like that's the challenge right is to take what you got from that shoot and make a story out of it like my shots I wouldn't like to work with them I love to work with other people's (laughs) footage rather than my own you know I kind of feel the same way about a lot of the things that I do I don't know is it just being there and being the person that does the the shooting right so like if you're the one that took the camera out got the shots brought it back and edited it together the the feeling is completely different if you're just receiving footage from somebody else right I think do, do you think you feel a constraint more or less if it's somebody else's footage you feel less mad about yourself like <laughs> I think that's that's definitely part of it yeah 100 percent like I worked with, like we did a really quick run and gun shoot for Phil Armstrong um, a couple of years ago here at Canada Life, and like Brent has that background, so mm-hmm. I was like, Brent, will you shoot? And like he's like 
a perfectionist as a videographer. So like getting his stuff was like, and working with it was just like, I don't know. It just felt really harmonious rather than me shooting it and being really upset with how it like fussing over what it looked like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. To me. Yeah. It's, it's it, like, it depends on the, the person you're working with, I think too. I think so. So, Yeah. But if you want to do motion design anytime, you know, <laughs> I, I have, I have a lot to learn, a lot to learn. But I come to that camp, like, yeah, like all of my team, we're all self-taught. Like you can, if you want to learn something, I think you can just, you just yeah. have to put the time in, right? Like it's true. We all just have that design background and like kind of had that like passion to take it further. Yeah, it's a desire to make something, right? Yeah, exactly. That I'm expressing for the time being in this. Yeah, so. in this, in this. You could learn some motion design. Good. We could do yeah. a podcast with motion design elements, do a video podcast. Yeah, yeah exactly. I was wondering if you were going to do one today. So, not yet. It's, not yet. It's, okay. in, it's in the works. <laughs> video podcast is in the works. It's coming this month. Stay tuned for that. But for now, it's just going to be audio. Uh, earlier in our conversation, we talked about Germany. Um, but I'd like to get your thoughts on the Hamburg steak, better known as the hamburger. <laughs> no one needs to hear my opinion on burgers. No? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, you're going to be appalled. I don't have a favorite topping. I can eat everything and anything. It depends on the day. Like, it depends on the burger. I was saying, and I was telling uh, my team uh, before this, I was like, you know what? Like, a Whopper is great. Like, okay. on a Wednesday, like, <laughs> so let's dial like a that. Big Mac is great. Like, so a team burger is great. That. We have, you've just listed three different burgers from three different restaurants. And we talked about fast food earlier in the cast, too. Yes. Uh, you said Chick-fil-A, which is not burger because it's chicken. It's um, not a burger. It's a chicken burger. It's a chicken sandwich. Oh, my gosh. Like, technically speaking, it's chicken sandwich. I miss these uh, sandwich conversations. <laughs> um, but of all the sort of fast food restaurants that serve burgers. I don't think I can name one. Okay. Chick-fil-A was, like, amazing when I finally had it after looking at it for three years. Like, but... Um, I don't know. A Big Mac is good. So say all these, say you're in like a food court and all these places are open. <laughs> There's no line to any of them. They're just waiting to take your order. Which one oh, are you going geez. to? No, I'm someone that depends on the day. Even a Harvey's like a Harvey's with everything is pretty good. No. Look at I, his, I, oh I my know, god! I'm just, I'm just thinking. No, I, I wish I, I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> or like homemade's even good. Like my dad made a burger. I still think about the burger my dad made one time, where he just threw in all the herbs from the herb garden, and it tasted amazing. Like, and on a barbecue, like you can't beat that either. No, you can't. You can't beat homemade. No, but I, maybe if, okay. If I could ch- a quarter pounder. Okay. There, we have an answer. Quarter pound. A quarter with, pound. With cheese? With cheese. Not right. bacon, though. Not That's bacon. Too much. 
dieting, you know, you can't go for the bacon. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is fun. I was planning to say all these things and I didn't say them. (laughs) I know we were were planning to talk about hometown, right? Hometown. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll have to get you back. This podcast is executive produced by yours truly with editorial support from the strategy and research team. Thanks for listening.